Morning everybody. I hope you are all well. Greetings from sunny Clarence this morning. I've had to close the curtains in uh, the garden flat uh, so that I'm not blinded by the by the light. Um, <clears throat> welcome, welcome from wherever you are. Uh, we're in Clarence in the Free State and uh, it's a nice pleasant day this morning. Cold overnight but uh, yeah we're we're enjoying enjoying being here and uh, we it's amazing the technology here I am in the middle of nowhere uh, live talking to you guys so welcome from wherever you are welcome from um, Europe and from Africa uh, the Americas wherever you are coming mm. to this live stream from and um, and I pray for you this morning uh, that this message would touch your heart. I've got uh, butterflies in my stomach this morning, uh, which is <laughs> always a good sign um, that God is God is busy doing something. And uh, I'm hoping that <laughs> this will be a relatively short message this morning, and then I'm going to play play you a song. And um, and I'm in Luke 15. Uh, and Luke 15 is uh, is a story of lost things. There's a lost sheep, there's a lost coin, and uh, and a lost son. And I want to speak this morning for people who are lost. Um, there's so many out there, and and in this season uh, with the lockdown and with uh, the medical crisis and the economic crisis that we're going through, people are more aware that they are lost than than they would normally be where lives are going on as normal. So let's pray uh, and let's trust God. I've asked our fire team to uh, share words of knowledge as, as they come. They will be uh, in the comments section and uh, and let's see where God leads us this morning. So Luke 15, uh, and rather than read, I'm going to um, sort of paraphrase the stories that Jesus told in this passage. Uh, and my focus this morning is on, on the lost, on the lost ones. And um, Jesus stopped for the one. Uh, he stopped on the side of the road. Uh, he stopped in the synagogue. He uh, stopped beside the well, all these different places where we see Jesus stop. But not only did he stop, um, he also told stories about people who stopped. Uh, the Good Samaritan is is a particularly famous famous story. But and why? Why did he stop? Well, he stopped. He stopped to heal. Uh, he stopped to deliver. He stopped to rescue. He stopped to share about the coming kingdom. He stopped to share his gospel. And, um, and Luke, uh, Luke 15 is a great place to see what Jesus is modeling, what Jesus is looking for. So remember he's, he's sharing these stories in front of people who love him, who uh, hope that he, he is who he says he is. He's the coming Messiah. He's the new king of Israel. 
But there's also those that uh, are distrustful of him, those that are fearful of him, those uh, whose position is threatened by him. Uh, there's the militant Romans who uh, wish to just crush any anything or anyone that they feel would come against them. And there's the religious elite, um, comfortable and uh, oppressive uh, on the people of, of God. So he tells a story about a shepherd, uh, a shepherd with a hundred sheep. So yeah, he's, a, he's a, a wealthy shepherd and one gets lost. And so the shepherd leaves the 99 in the field and he goes to find the one. Uh, he's trusting that the 99 will be okay uh, because they're together. A bit like the church. The church is together. It's going to be okay. When he finds the lost sheep, he's, he's happy. He's rejoicing. He puts it on his shoulders uh, and he heads home carrying this this lost sheep home. I guess it could have walked home itself. It wasn't uh, injured as far as we know. Um, but have you ever tried to corral a, a, a sheep that's on its own? Uh, it's far easier with a herd of sheep because they like to stick together. But a lost sheep um, is very difficult to <laughs> to keep pushing in one, one direction. So he put it on, on his shoulders and he carried it home, rejoicing uh, with the Lord. And then he calls everyone together to celebrate. Look, I found my lost sheep. Then Jesus tells a story about a woman with ten silver coins. Um, now, that's quite a lot of money. Uh, even one silver coin is, is a lot of money in these days. It's not like our, our sense today. Uh, but she loses one and uh, so she's searching the house she's cleaning she's tidying she's putting stuff away uh, and when she finds it she's happy she rejoices she she calls everyone together her neighbors her family uh, to celebrate that she's found this this lost coin and the coin represents us it represents uh, the the treasure that is precious to, to Jesus. And there's celebration. Not only on earth. Not only the neighbours. The friends who are happy. For the shepherd and this lady. But there's rejoicing in, in heaven. Over the repentant souls. That this lost sheep and this lost coin. Represent. But Jesus didn't just tell stories. He's not like me on a Sunday morning chairing a preach. Um, he's, he's also out there. He's modelling uh, the stories that he is telling. Just a few examples where he stopped for individuals. So blind Bartimaeus was, uh, was calling from the roadside. The disciples like, shh, it's the Messiah. It's the Messiah. Shh, shh, the Son of God. Shh. No, you, you just wait. You just, no, no, sorry. He's far too important. We're far too busy to hear you, to speak to you. And yet Jesus stops and, uh, he, and he goes to this man uh, and he gives him back his sight. And um, <laughs> despite the best efforts of the disciples, 
And then there's Zacharias, the tax collector. He's busy hiding from everybody up a tree <laughs> because because he's short and he can't see behind the crowd, but also because he's fearful. He's a, he's afraid of the crowd. He's a tax collector. He's hated. Um, he's seen as serving the enemy, serving the Romans. He's a traitor to Israel and therefore a very serious risk of uh, somebody just quietly slitting his throat in the middle of the crowd. So he's hiding up a tree and Jesus stops and calls him down and invites himself to supper. I don't know if you've ever had a bishop or an archbishop sort of stop and invite you for supper, invite himself to your place for supper, and how you would feel about that. But Zacharias is overwhelmed, he's delighted. And then there's Nicodemus, uh, part of the Pharisee party, uh, a very important uh, man uh, in the religious uh, structures, in the religious elite, highly trained in the Old Testament word of God, uh, a man of great wisdom that the people would go to uh, for answers about the law. And yet he's hearing the stories of this unschooled, itinerant uh, preacher who heals people. And um, he's, he's like, serious? Can this be true? Can he be of God? Is this just another nutter running around the countryside uh, causing trouble for us serious religious people? And so in the middle of the night, Jesus meets him. Jesus, Jesus shares the gospel with him. He shares the truth with Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, um, we don't know his, his future. We don't know how he responded but we sense this yearning heart in Nicodemus he he wants to know the truth although he's part of the, the elite and and the truth is going to be uncomfortable and the truth um, will potentially destroy his income base and um, all the rest of it he's he wants to know he's a genuine seeker and Jesus stops for him. Jesus makes time for him in the middle of the night. Because uh, that's who he is. That's, that's how, how he is. And what about the Samaritan woman? You know, Jesus was called to the people of Israel first. And yet here he is. He's talking uh, to a Samaritan woman. Um, he's, he's on his own with a woman. Um, she's at, at the well in the heat of the day. Because nobody else will talk to her. She's lost and alone. Um, and she has attitude. <laughs> yeah. She's not going to take any nonsense from another man. She's met a few men in her time. She knows what nonsense is. And, and, um, and so she's, she challenges and she questions. But in the end she believes. Because Jesus, <laughs> he stopped for her. This lone woman, um, desperately sad woman, he stops for her. And then the woman caught in adultery. I, I love this story. I mentioned it last time I spoke. Um, she's about to be stoned because she wasn't very good at hiding. Zacharias hiding up a tree. 
blind Barnabas just sat there quietly at the side of the road until he hears Jesus coming. Um, the Samaritan woman going to the well when she knows nobody else will be there. As this poor woman caught in adultery, clearly not so good at hiding, and she's about to be stoned. And Jesus stops for her. And he challenges the, the law keepers, the law enforcers, those that would judge. He challenges them. He who is without sin, throw the first stone. <laughs> and, uh, and they all just back off. They all silently slip away until it's just him and this woman. And uh, he asks her, did no one condemn you? And she says, no, Lord, no one condemned me. And then he says, so neither will I condemn you. Go in peace and sin no more. He, he releases her, but he also challenges her. He stopped for her. He comes into her circumstances. He provides her with her breakthrough moment. And then he says, go and sin no more. <laughs> but he's empowered that. She's, she's free. She's been saved. She's uh, encountered the living God. And so she, before she couldn't, she couldn't, she hadn't got the faith, she hadn't got the hope, she hadn't got the ability uh, to not get caught up with affairs of the heart. And yet now she knows she's beloved. She knows that there's this perfect man who loves her deeply and will do anything for her, even intervene in an execution. <laughs> what power. What power does that give you? So Jesus, we see in many of the stories, he had compassion of the, on the crowds, but he was also there for the one, for the lost ones. You know, he talked about those who were righteousness, not needing a doctor, but he was here for those that were lost. And... Um, and so should we be. <laughs> I have a tenant here in Clarence at the moment. I'm, if I look out the window, I can see his front door. And um, he's, he calls himself an innovation consultant. Very impressive dude. Very bright, very assured, very knowledgeable, very confident. Um, and he's just taken three months off. Um, and he's paying me a bit of rent and he's brought his bike with him. And uh, he's just chilling in Clarence, uh, waiting for this virus to subs subside. And I've been you know, chatting with him uh, over WhatsApp. Uh, and now that we're here in Clarence, I've been building a relationship with him. And I've been asking God, you know, is he one? Um, where's the entry point with all this confidence, with all this assurance? And then uh, we were talking yesterday and um, I said to him that, you know, we were selling the house and that we might have an offer coming. And I was excited, um, 
and his reaction was, no, I mustn't mention this because I might jinx the whole thing. <laughs> and there, there, there it is. There's, there's the ent entry point. He's superstitious. With all this intellect, with all this skill, with all this knowledge, with all this confidence, he's superstitious. He's fearful of dark forces. And now, now I know. I know how to pray. I know how to witness. Um, I, I have a... I know where to look to find the lost sheep. And, uh, and so now I know he is lost and he needs Jesus. Uh, and I wouldn't have known that without talking to him, without uh, ex being vulnerable, without expressing my, uh, my needs, my desires, my dreams to him. So my second point then is from the story of the prodigal son. And um, this, he's another lost one. Uh, and I want to say um, my main focus here is you know, on reaching the lost as a church, as a community, as believers, that, that we should be like the shepherd. We should be like this woman who lost her coin, uh, looking for those in our communities, in our families that we encounter on the road even. Um, looking and seeking God for them, contending for them and for the gospel. But I also, I want to give anybody here who is, is not part of a church, who is not a believer, I want to talk to you. I want to share my faith with you. I want to tell you this story. This beautiful story, again, still in Luke 15, uh, from verse 11. And it's a story of a farmer. The farmer represents God and his two sons, and, and the sons represent us. And um, if I can be honest for a minute, they're both selfish idiots. <laughs> the young one, um, and it's often the young one, um, was willful and demanding. He, he was, it was like he was wishing his father dead. He was claiming his inheritance early. He couldn't wait for dad to die so that he could get hold of the money. Uh, he could get his share of the farm, uh, cash it in, spend the money, go off to the big city uh, and blow it all on fast living, loose women and fast living, whatever, whatever that was for him. And um, <laughs> the dad gave, gave him his share. Um, God can do that. He can put you in a place. He can answer your prayer, if you like, whether it's good for you or not, as a lesson, as a way of reaching you, as a way of calling you into his kingdom. You see, he knows the ultimate outcome. He knows what's going to happen. So when he makes a decision uh, to give you a bit of rope, as it were, to hang yourself from, he knows what's going to happen. He knows uh, who you are and he knows what you need. And this young man, <laughs> well, 
<clears throat> he needed some suffering. He he needed some pain in his life to uh, so that he he could see himself. The older one, he was cautious, resentful. He stayed home. He worked the land for his father, but not seeing that hey, this is my legacy. This is my future. This is my land. This is our family. This is a partnership. He saw himself, in effect, as a la- just another labourer, uh, working for the good of his father's um, community. Neither seemed to want a relationship with the father. Neither of them uh, demonstrated any love for the father, any any joy in his company. But then the younger one, away in the big city, uh, Johannesburg or wherever, he, uh, he ran out of money. He blew the lot. <clears throat> the foolishness of youth, as they say. He blew all the money and uh, and he lost the friends. And I use that term loosely. You know, people, when they see you with money, they they love you. Well, they love your money. And uh, he he lost he lost those connections. He lost that sense of being a part of something bigger than himself. And um <laughs> he tried to find work and yeah, he found work as a labourer. Um but yeah, it wasn't wasn't a living wage. In South Africa we talk about a living wage and I'm sure that we do elsewhere as well. We talk about <clears throat> The sort of employment that gives you enough to go beyond existence, beyond the survival, uh, that enables you uh, to raise your family well, to eat nutritious food, to uh, send your children to school. Uh, that's, that's a living wage. And uh, he wasn't achieving that. He was going hungry. Uh, on the, on the wages that he was getting, and it says he came to his senses, <laughs> and I love that. I love that responding to his father's love was the sensible thing to do. Uh, and if you don't know God, if you don't know Father God, I want to say to you this morning: come to your senses. <laughs> He's the one. He's the one. He loves you with an ever-ending love. He is passionate for you to come into his kingdom and to be with him. Um, Yes, to worship him. Yes, to pray to him. But to abide with him, to live uh, in his presence, to enjoy his fatherhood. And um, so he came to his senses and he decided to return home, hoping to get work with his father. Because he knew his father. He knew he was a righteous man. He knew he paid well. He paid a living wage. And uh, he knew he wasn't worthy of sonship anymore. His only hope was that his father would take him on as a labourer and pay a living wage. 
And um, <coughs> unexpectedly, yeah, his father's waiting for him. He's, um, he knows he's coming. He knows there will be a time. Obviously, Father God knows exactly what that time would be. So he would be like, okay, so he's coming home now. So he pops up on the roof and, oh, there, there he is in the distance. In the story, it's more like, you know, he was waiting. He hadn't let go of hope. He still desired relationship with his son. Uh, he still res retired, re um, desired that the son would return and be restored to the family. So he's waiting uh, and he runs out towards him. Very undignified thing to do, very reckless thing to do. <coughs> he arranged a party. <laughs> this guy spent his entire life partying until he ran out of money and his father to celebrate his return arranges a party i mean how 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 funny is that so they have a spit bright in our terms and he uh he he honors his son he gives him shoes for his feet a sign of sonship uh, the the servants the slaves would not have had shoes so he's restoring his son. He gives him a ring for his finger, a sign of authority. Uh, he can negotiate on behalf of the family. He's being restored back to the position he had before he walked away. His older brother, well, unfortunately, he has a hissy fit and won't join the party. Uh, and in that, he's dishonouring his, his father, but he's also not reconciling with his brother uh, and please please let's not be that guy in the church let's not be the the holier than now the judgmental pharisaic types who put up barriers to people coming home let's be those keen to restore keen to reconcile keen to break uh, break those barriers down so much of what jesus did in story form and in action, was criticised by the religious types. Uh, and we see this in Luke 15 as well. Are we like the religious types, like the Pharisees? Or do we open our hearts and our homes and our churches and our lives to those that are in desperate need of a relationship with God? And have you, what about you, as I was saying, what about you? Are you lost? <laughs> do, you, do you need to come into the place of being a son, of being restored to the father? Uh, you just need to humble yourself, to recognize that like this son, you have messed up, you are messing up your life. Maybe you're messing up the lives of other people. Maybe <clears throat> you're so assured, like my consultant friend, uh, that you, you are in the right place doing the right thing, and yet your heart is caught up in superstition or is caught up in idol worship, the worship of things, the worship of material possessions. Whatever it is for you that is 
between you and God this morning. Turn it, turn away. Turn to God, turn to the Father. Let him restore you. Let him bring you into his kingdom. Put a ring on your finger and shoes on your feet and a cloak around your shoulders and hold a party in your honour. For my son was dead and now he is alive. In my, my life, um, for those of you who don't know, I was an atheist until my late thirties. And I can look back on many encounter points, if you like, where, where now, with the benefit of hindsight, I can see that God was, was seeking me out. He was, he was in the bush looking for this lost sheep called Nigel. Um, he, uh, as a child, uh, I was forced to go to church occasionally, uh, traditional churches, hymns and lead glass windows and um, guys in frocks. And um, even in that context, some of those hymns, some of the words, and you're, you're singing these words because you're there, so you may as well sing, and you're like, you're asking questions of these hymns. And you are saying, are you there? Are you real? Um, but, you know, everything cloud, crowds in. The nonsense, the religiosity, uh, the, the cold. These churches are so cold. Um, can there be life in these stone places? And then my cousins, my cousins were Christians. They would often witness to me. We enjoyed each other, um, and yet I would mock them <laughs> horribly. Uh, challenges from my leaders, I was a scout, and uh, scouts are a faith-based organisation, and I was in the middle of it, uh, claiming to be an atheist, and yet wanting to, to lead others. Uh, there was a challenge from older leaders uh, about my faith, uh, a couple of near-death experiences. I I've nearly fell off a cliff. I uh, um, fell off an exercise bar, did my back in. Uh, and each time I rejected God, I decided he wasn't there, he wasn't real. My heart was hardened. And then in marrying Cheryl, it was her walk with Jesus that slowly revealed him to me. Her uncertain faith, growing it to the moment where she gave her heart and she knew that she knew that she knew that she was his. And she became more beautiful, more assured, more peaceful, more at peace with me. Uh, with the world, with circumstances. And um, this was slowly, slowly eating away at my hardness. Uh, her friends praying for me, uh, challenging, provoking me, uh, making me angry. <laughs> All leading to that point where I gave my heart, where I repented, 
I turned away from who I was, recognizing that I, I didn't have the answers that I, as a young and arrogant young man, I felt I had, that there was no God, that uh, this life on earth was it. Uh, we die and we are no more. And, and here, here I am, weeping on, on the floor of her church, <laughs> making a complete fool of myself because I had to be humbled. I would not, would not humble myself. And this is the story of the prodigal son. He would not humble himself. He needed to be humbled. Because of love. That's, that's what it was all about. Because of love. He needed to be humbled. I needed to be humbled. And sometimes, let's be real, we need a, a number of these encounter points. Uh, and as Christians reaching out to the lost, we need to, to know where they're, where, where they're at. My uh, consultant friend who's opened his curtains now, um, I, I need some insight as to what is going to be helpful uh, and what is not going to be helpful. But I need a heart for him. I need to want him to come into the kingdom of God. Sometimes we just pray and other times we step out in faith and we're part of that journey into the kingdom of God. So are you the one this morning? You see, there was, there was much confusion about who Jesus was back then. So no wonder there's some confusion about who Jesus is today. Uh, some said he was a prophet, uh, others that he was Beelzebub, um, some that he was just, you know, a, a man of wisdom. Very few in his lifetime saw him as, a, as the Messiah. Even John the Baptist, whose role it was to bring, bring our attention to the coming Christ, to prepare us for his time on earth. He had a moment of doubt. He's about to lose his life for the gospel. Am I going to die for nothing? So he sends a message to Jesus. Are you the one? I'm going to read it for you. This is Matthew 11, verses 3 to 6. Matthew 11, verses 3 to 6. He sends these messengers to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? And Jesus replies, <laughs> go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. You see, we can stumble. I did. I used to stumble. Uh, I used to look at, at Jesus and think, what are these guys going on about? I would stumble on his account. 
What does he mean, the meek shall inherit the, uh, the earth? No, those with big guns and bombs and AK-47s will inherit the earth. But no, <laughs> Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the, the one. And he's calling us. He's calling us. He's calling us to himself. And he's calling us to contend for the lost sheep out there. Did you encounter Jesus in the Gospels? Have you received his good news? Has his supernatural power addressed your poverty, uh, your health? Have you seen breakthroughs because of him, because of his love? Are you becoming his disciple? My final point this morning, will you stop? For the one, like the good Samaritan on the road, like Jesus at the well. Will you stop for the one? Matthew 10 and verse 8 says, heal the sick, raise the dead. That's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> Cleanse those who have leprosy or COVID-19. Drive out demons. Freely, freely you have received. Freely give. <laughs> freely I have received so this morning I, I want to freely give this message of peace joy and hope this message Christ is risen and Christ is coming again and he loves you with an everlasting love and his joy is that you would come into his kingdom and that we, the believers, would go out into the world and look for the one, look for these sheep, these coins, these sons that need to come home. Seems to me at the moment, proportionally, there are no, the 99 are lost in this season. There are so many people asking questions starting to pray, uh, joining churches online. There are so many people out there who need to hear the gospel and they need to hear it now. They need to hear from us. We have the very words of life, as Peter said about Jesus. There are overwhelming numbers of people who don't yet know and trust Jesus. Uh, and some of them look very holy. Very holy indeed. But they need to know his love and his compassion. So who is the one for you this morning? Who are, who's next to you? <laughs> you know, maybe there's a family member in the house with you this morning. Uh, and they may be listening to me rambling on or they may, may be in another room. What's the key to see them come home? To see them join us on this beautiful journey towards Jesus? I'm going to pray. I have, I see um, two, I don't know how to describe it, two pictures for the want of a better word. 
So the first, there's three people in the picture, uh, but therefore one person watching or who is going to be shown this video. Um, there's a drunk grandfather, a sick child and abused abused wife in a circle. Somebody, maybe they're not the ones watching. I don't think they are the ones watching. But somebody has those three people in their their circle of relationships uh, and they're lost and and they need you to reach out to them to contend for them in prayer and to reach out uh, to them and then I see a 10 year old boy reading a comic book and he needs to know the reckless love of God he needs to know uh, that God will do anything for him and him alone and so I'm just going to pray for us and uh, I'm going to leave it, leave it with you. Who, who is it that God is calling you to reach, calling you to contend for? Lord Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for your love. I thank you uh, that you love us with uh, an everlasting love, with a reckless love. Uh, with uh, with joy and you offer us this same joy this same peace hope and I pray for each one of us this morning if you are not born again and spirit filled this morning reach out to us to somebody on this group uh, and ask us to help you to pray for you to to invite you into his kingdom and if you are a believer this morning and Maybe you've, you've withdrawn a bit. Maybe you feel helpless in this time of lockdown. And God is challenging you and encouraging you to join him on his journey, to join him on his mission to the lost. I'm going to finish by um, playing a song. Uh, it's called Reckless Love. Uh, and it talks talks about our beautiful, wonderful, loving Father. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so Mm-hmm.
So bless you all, keep safe, and uh, and go and give yourself to someone for the gospel. Amen. <laughs>